0: Welcome to G-Talk. dedicated to helping you discover your purpose by helping you build intimate relationships and a lifestyle of thankfulness. Listen to us today as we discuss a new challenging topic aimed to encourage you and to challenge you, but most importantly, to build you up in your relationships with each other and with God. Stay tuned. Welcome to G Talk, and we are your hosts, Terrence and Adara Clark. And it's Terrence again coming to you, uh, as I have the last couple of weeks here, been spending a little bit of time teaching. That is a new thing for us, as we have not done a lot of that. I mean, certainly our time as we talk and share Adara and I together, we have certainly um, teaching from the Word and bringing things in. But we've not actually just taken you know a time to just let it be a teaching time, and so. I've been enjoying this, a little bit conflicted. Obviously, I miss having Adara with me and having those great discussions. But we really wanted to spend some time seeking the Lord on our next thing and how we really want to move forward uh with our G Talks. And we've got some, I've got you know, we've got some ideas we're putting together now, and um, you know, right when we get done with this teaching, we'll be back together and uh jumping back in. So I just want to say thank you to all of you who are listening. It's great to hear from you all from time to time. I'll get a you know, somebody to see one of us or something and I'll get a word or something back. And so I'll appreciate it. This is something that is dear to my heart. And, um, and I've just really believed that there's something the Lord wants to speak to us in. That's why I've taken the next, you know, the past few weeks and the next few weeks to kind of teach on this. And I hope I'm, I'm challenging you. That's my goal is I really, you know, I'm one of those guys that wants to see people, people walk in their purpose, walk in their destiny, really fulfill the thing that God is given to them. I've spent, you know, the last uh, 25 years, you know, I know it's, I'm know i going on 40 years of ministry. I didn't realize I stopped. Uh, I really got called into ministry in 1980. And so as, as I move into 2020, that will be my 40th year. And so that's something that uh, is like a pretty amazing to me because time has flown by so quickly. We have been looking at, and I really feel like this, let me put it like, to like this. Have you ever, have you ever written a love letter? Have you ever received a love letter i mean i know you know adair and i've been married we we celebrated uh recently here our 37th year married we dated for a couple of years so we've been together going on 40 years you know 39 years of being together 37 being married and so there is certainly you know some times where we were we haven't been away from each other a lot of that time there have been seasons when i can think of one trip i was in africa for a month and that was probably the longest time that we've been separated and, uh, you know, being able to write letters or share with each other, there's nothing like writing someone a special note or letter. that's someone that you really are passionately loving and caring for. And there's something that comes out in that. And that really is what the book of revelation is in a lot of ways. It's the love of Jesus who wants to reveal himself. Remember when we first opened this book, the very first, you know, paragraph is that this is a revelation it's it's the revelation of jesus and sometimes we make it bigger than it really is he wants to reveal himself to you and he wants to reveal himself to me and he does that through this letter he is revealing and i really believe that the last two thousand years have been a revelation of jesus and i believe that when we are finished right when it's all said and done and we stand before him We are going to be able to look back and see that this has been a organized process of him revealing who he is. I mean, we're talking about revealing his power, revealing his nature, revealing his purpose, revealing his plan. in you and I individually, as well as you got the plan over the earth, you've got him revealing his kingdom. He's going to reveal how the bride of Christ, you know, I was listening to. Uh, something that um, someone was sharing this week and talking about the bride of Christ, that the church has really never seen itself as the bride. So there is that real, of, that's going to be another revelation that's coming here at the end, last days here. There are so many different aspects that Jesus is revealing and has been revealing himself over these 2,000 years that I think we're going to be able to go back and go, oh my goodness, look at this. He really did. That's what this is about. And this book. Uh, as we've been looking at these last few weeks, there's a great deal of us, you know, of that process and it gets missed. And I just believe that we are in a time that you and I need to understand it. We need to see it. We need to know it because it was his love letter to us. As And if I'm thinking if I write a love letter to my love to someone I care for, I really want them to understand some things. I'm going to put in the best stuff. Right. I mean, wouldn't you? You'd put in the very best stuff. You'd really want them to know how you feel and you'd want them to know what you're thinking and what they can do until you see until you see them again. And that really is what Revelation is about. Jesus really spills out some things to prepare us. But it's, it's filled with promise of what, we're, what life is going to be once we come back together again as well. So there's kind of a look in at who he was there is a look at who he is, and then there's a look at who he will be and who what, what we will all be. And that's really the nature of the book. And I think sometimes we get stuck because I think we have traditionally turned this into a book of judgment. And, you know, and rather than understanding that it really is a love letter that he is wanting to express and care and showing us and preparing us for the things that's going on. And as we get to these first three chapters that we've looked at, It's him really talking about the importance of some things that we need to be doing and looking at. So we've been looking at that. Last week, we looked, uh, the last couple of weeks, we were looking at the the Church of Ephesus. And there's some key key things. Today, we're going to get and look at the church in Smyrna. And uh, I think we're going to be able to, hopefully, at least in my mind, we're going to be able to do it all today. I'm really trying to do all of these. I know there's some that just can be very difficult to do. But this week, I don't see it as a problem for us to kind of deal with this. This is a tough one for people in America because we just don't know how to relate to this book, to this church. But again, let me just briefly go through this one more time, because I feel like I have to keep putting this out there for us to really understand the the, what's being said. We have seven churches and we have within these seven churches, there is there these each church can they're really representative of these of the last 2000 years. Right. So we have seven ages, let's say seven ages that are take, that have taken place over these past 2000 years. And so we're looking at that, you know, we're looking at how each age of the church has grown in development and how it relates to the particular church. It's like, why did Jesus choose Ephesus? Why did he choose Smyrna? He could have chose Kalash. He could have chose Philippian, you know, Philippia, right? He could, there was a, pl- a bunch of churches. Why did he choose the seven that he did? Well, as I've been saying that there are seven, I think, I believe there are seven major issues that he is wanting us to recognize. He's first wanting us to recognize that through these seven ages, there's going to be seven major challenges that the church is going to go through. And he points them out into each group. Each church represents an age issue that was that took place. That was the first thing. The second thing, though, is that as we get to the last of days and we are in these last of days, that we would recognize that all seven of these are really being uh, they're 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 all they have all come to the forefront at the same time so it's like these seven issues are actually taking place and so it's like not only did we see them throughout the ages but now it's like they have each one grown and come into a season of their own where you can see these seven things and I'm sure you could have seen them through all periods all the seven periods but like never before there is a pressure there is a there is a real genuine call and challenge for these seven things that are taking place. And so like we looked at last week with the church in Ephesus, you had a church, right? And the and a lot of it is how Jesus will begin it and end it. He talked about the fact that you had seven messengers and he talked about the fact that there were seven lampstands. And it really was really focused on the idea that you had a church that had its authority, right? Because when you talk about the messenger, the messenger or the angel of the messenger, right? That's what he always starts with, to the messenger, right, or to the angel, right? The messenger is anointed, right? God has given each age a messenger, but within each church, there is an authority, there is a message, right? let's, let's jump into Smyrna because I've taken up already half my time. And so let's jump into this, this group, but here it is. It's like, so to the angel of the church in Smyrna, reading again, second chapter, eighth verse, these things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you were rich and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes should not be hurt by the second death. Now, again, I can spend weeks uh, pulling apart a lot of this. and I just want to bring out some of the highlights, but I'm really wanting to focus on the message that was really given to the church and the dangers that you and I can fall into. First of all, let's, let's bring out a couple of things I think that would be very helpful for us to know. He says, let's write to the messenger of Smyrna. Now, Smyrna, the word Smyrna, um, it means bitter. Interestingly, uh, the, the word Smyrna, there is a connection with the word for um, myrrh. Remember gold, frankincense, and myrrh? you know, each one had their purpose. Myrrh was used for burial, right? It was an ointment. It was an ointment used to help purify the body and, it, and, and had a very strong ability to, you know, ward off the, the stink of death. I mean, let's just say it as it is. I mean, there was, you know, myrrh was used for that, especially for those who were wealthy and had that kind of money that they could afford it. So we're looking at a church that was very, very highly persecuted and it's something that you and i you know and I, as i said at the beginning that it's a, this is one of the churches that's difficult for the um, for americans to recognize or to comprehend because we have had very 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 little persecution in our experience we think that when we don't have coffee in the morning that's persecution uh no it really is not persecution it really this church and you know, as I've talked about, there's a message and there's so much that we can talk about. But let me just bring out a couple of things that I think would be helpful about the church of Smyrna. Smyrna was a very, very beautiful, beautiful city. It's I would really compare it to the lifestyle of Americans. Uh, they were very wealthy. They had done very, very well. In fact, they were Rome-loved the city of Smyrna. Smyrna won several awards that gave them the, uh, what do you call it? The, the gift of building uh, temples to the gods, uh, the Roman gods. And uh, it, it was one of those things that everybody was not able to do. It was one of them things where you had to present your, your case and what you wanted to do. And Smyrna won and was, was given this very, very high honor of building, uh, these beautiful, you know, temples, uh, to the Roman gods. They were very, very immersed into the Roman culture and they were very well regarded with the Roman lifestyle. And I'm saying all that because it's going to help you to understand a little bit about why there was the persecution that took place in Smyrna. Uh, Because there was such a high level of commitment to Rome and commitment to the to their ways that they really made sure to protect the way of life of that time. And if you could look around today in our culture in America and think about the American lifestyle and if there's anything that comes up against the the lifestyle, right? That and you can see this happening right now. We're in a season where people are really fighting over what is really the American lifestyle and what should it be, and we're seeing our nation really divided in a lot of areas. We're divided politically right now. We're divided. Uh, if you want to talk about morally, you could say that there's a we got some real huge moral issues that we're literally fighting over. Where people are being gunned down in our culture right now over moral issues it's never, I've never, you know, in my lifetime, I've never seen it as I, as it's happening today, but it is something that's taken place right now. There is a real fight for the, for the spiritual and moral ground of our country. And, you know, when we talk about praying for our nation and it's a time that we really truly need to stand up. And I, I just believe that we're coming to some real Uh, times where there is going to require us as believers to really stand firmly on our ground, much like I believe the Christians in Smyrna had to do. The Christians in Smyrna, it got to the place where they had to make a decision. And what, you know, it talks about the fact that they were in poverty. Uh, If you, if I go back and read that chapter, I mean, back, it says, um, I know your works, tribulation and poverty. The word is object poverty. And what it was is that, you know, there was a law in Rome that if you were not going to be, you know, if you were not going to, to give allegiance, if you were, if you did not declare that Caesar was Lord, then you were to lose everything. And I mean, when I say everything, I mean, everything, they took your house, they took your, you know, your, your, you know, in our day cars, you know, they took your jobs, you were not allowed to work you were not allowed to do anything. At that point, unless you declared that Caesar was Lord and the Smyrna church, they refused to do that. They held strong to their Christian faith. And as a result, they really went through incredible, incredible, unbelievable persecution, things that you and I could not imagine. They were literally eaten by beast and in front of the I mean, it, it was, it, you know, it, there. we have the records, you know, there are books that have been written that you can go and read. I've read many of those stories of the types of debts that many of the Christians gave. Uh, Polycarp was the, the bishop of, of Smyrna for a period of time. Polycarp, a lot of Christians today don't know who Polycarp was. Polycarp really was a disciple of the Apostle John. He was born in the same city there where John, you know, John was in Smyrna, believe it or not. I mean, there's a lot of things that we don't, that we don't, we just, we just have lost. It's just not have, it's like the church has failed to teach the ch- this history. And so we in the church have no clue the, the amount, the, the incredible amounts of history that would help us to get a picture of what was really taking place. But the apostle John uh, really was a leader there. And, and, and Polycarp was born in Smyrna and was a part of John, the church that John led right there in, in uh, Smyrna. And so he took over this church. Polycarp was born around 70 AD. So he was a, you know, John was ending his life and, and Polycarp was just starting, but, you know, so he got to spend a number of years with John. Polycarp became the leader of uh, of Smyrna, became the bishop, you know, the pastor of that of that city, uh, that church, and went and underwent hum- just unimaginable amounts of people that died and how they gave their life. and uh, Polycarp has written, you know several, there's a number of 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 records. We have one particular where he just, straight out talks about his willingness to not only die, but not to pray for him not to die, but if they were gonna pray for him, pray that he would truly give his life, that he would be eaten completely by the lions so that there would not be an ounce, not a bone left so that no one would have to come. You know, because what happened is the early church would, you know, after you were killed, uh, by the beast, the early church would come and collect your bones. And of course they would bury them. And he didn't want that. He didn't want any of the Christians to have to come and get anything. So his, his prayer was pray that the lions eat me completely. There's nothing left. So you won't have to come and pick up anything that my body will be. He called himself the bread, right? Bread for the lions. And, um, it is for, for us in our culture is something we don't even, you know, begin to understand or comprehend. But it's an amazing story. Polycarp gave his life uh, and died right around that. He was around 80, 85, right in there when he passed away, when he was murdered, you know, became a martyr. But but okay. And so what we need to understand about this, this church, this group. Is that they were a group and and let me just remind us, there's a couple of things I I wanted to bring up each week about these churches, the, the time period. So we consider the Smyrna Age between 170 and about 300. 312 is what I have specifically here. I, I appreciate uh, um, uh, Paul Keith Davis. He put together some um, some documents, and I and I just want to give him his love. You know, I appreciate all the things that he has put out in in order to help. But uh, there's a great document that he that he uses, and I have that document, and he has it broken down to about 170 to 312. And it's it's you know it, it could be you know 150 it could be 300 but right at the point in which everything changes is right around 300 but they went through in this church the church between those years and something that many of us don't understand is about 70 million Christians gave their life died martyrs can i say that number again 70 million you know, for a long time, when I, when I used to study the Bible and I, you know, this is in my early years, and I used to think, you know, think, talk about the tribulation and we talked about, you know, and believing what was the persecution that was coming. I always looked at it coming in the future. That's what I had always been taught. And so I kind of start reading the scriptures that way. And so I saw it, that there was going to be this great persecution that was coming. And I did not realize historically that we had already had about 70 million of us that have already been persecuted when, as you begin to recognize, those are incredible numbers that have already taken place in the church. And, uh, and many of those happen, of course, in those hundred, you know, 150 years or so, 170 years that took place in the early church there. They were a church. It's the, it's the only church where Jesus really doesn't have anything bad to say he just said that you're going to go through great persecution and I'm going to stand with you. And he's like, you know, hold strong, hold fast, be prepared. Um, you know, though it's though you're you're poor, you're actually rich. And this is just one of them areas. I just wish I had more time to explain it. These people. And you know, let's let me talk about the Jews for a second, because it says that those who say they are Jews and are not. There was a group of Jews that lived in Smyrna. And it's hard for us to understand in our day and time. But so here's the way the Romans saw it. Jews, the Jews had already been an established religion. They had already worked out their, rela- their arrangement with Rome. Rome allowed the Jews to not have to worship their gods. They were given, you know, what's the word, right? They're, they're given a, a pass, but the Christians were not given a pass. They had not become a, a, an established, acceptable sect, Right. Therefore, if they didn't. So the Jews did not have to um, claim that Caesar was Lord, but the but the Christians did. And so if the Christians wouldn't do it, they would then be murdered. Well, the, the Jews played a very large part in helping to murder the christians they played a large role in and bringing about all this to have to take place and so we can see even why this is being said about the fact that these jews um uh, they're even though they say they're jews they're not but they're really a synagogue of satan uh the uh, john you know jesus says to uh, through john uh, do not fear those things which you are you're going to suffer i can tell you that I I wish everybody would just go and get and and read some of the books and just because it'd give you a different perspective. These Christians gave their lives. They were singing. They were, they were in an open hand that the Lord used. They had great grace that was upon them. They had great. um, uh, God just was upon them and they suffered with, they would sing, they would worship and many of them, they were, they couldn't kill many of them. Uh, polycarp was one they just couldn't kill him and yet they were in the midst of going through you know just a new it's it's we can't imagine in our culture we can't imagine what they endured and how they endured it they endured it with such grace they endured it with such love that every it's like the you know the scripture in in, uh, uh john chapter 12 verse 24 talks about a seed going into the ground. It can't, you know, it brings forth fruit. Remember, it talks about that when the when the seed when you, when it goes, not the when a kernel dies, it brings forth many. It, it can't bring forth any until it dies. This is it's the same thing. It's like every time a martyr died, it's like five more would rise up. And it's like every time Rome would kill a Christian, it got to the place where literally people were climbing out of their seats. It's like going to a football game, right? People will come. They pay money, right, to come and watch the Christians get eaten, watch them getting killed and slaughtered by these beasts, by the many were were burned to death. I mean, there were so many different things that they would do to these people. People would come to watch this every week, and it got to the place that there was such grace and such they died with such honor and that people literally got out of their seats and would climb into the, um, arena, give their life to Christ and die with them. It just, it was like they couldn't kill them. They couldn't, it, it, when they did, it just, it just like a seed going into the ground, as the Lord said, and raising up a greater seed. And so it's an amazing, amazing, amazing story. So what is the message? We're out of time, but what is the message? So the message is really that Christ wants us to recognize that there is a church also that during this time right you've got a church that like ephesus who's lost their first love but you also have a church who will go through great persecution there is going to be and has always been a church that's being persecuted a church that's truly being challenged that is that is really struggling um with the things and yet there's great grace we have seen this in china uh, we've heard the stories of the. they right now. <clears throat> we, doesn't, we don't hear a lot about it, but in Iran, they're saying there it's 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 happening right now, where the church is being persecuted. And as a result of their persecution, there are so many people getting saved in Iran. You know, in many of these uh, Muslim nations right now, that like God is just doing amazing things through the persecution. And I just want to I just want to speak to to those of us I know who are listening. I know you're here in the states. i I believe our day is coming i really do um i I can't i know that's something that many of us don't want to can't can't imagine or think about and i i just the reason why i'm saying it is not to bring fear but to prepare us so that our hearts begin to get in line with the thinking because historically many most of these people most of these christians believe that the greatest gift the greatest honor that one can receive is the honor of martyrdom. And so for us in the church in America, we have got to move to the place where we are prepared to live our lives, you know, much like the Smyrna church where there's, I believe there's going to come a day where we're going to have to make a decision between going to work and standing up for the Lord. It's just, I I just see it coming. I just, it's just, it just, it's, we're in that we're in a turning season right now. We're in a season right now where I believe that, um, you know, we are seeing some very, very changes in our society. And ultimately, I believe it's going to come to the place where we're going to have to make a decision between the faith of our, of our Savior and the choice of our, our livelihood. And um, I know that for many people, that they don't see that could ever happen here, but we're seeing more and more of our labor is being taken away. And so I just want us to recognize uh, this week in this church of Smyrna, uh, that this period between 170 and, and, and 312, that these, that this church, uh, endured, and it wasn't the only church. There were many churches, you know, as we'll go through the seven, we'll see that there were many of them that endured, they all endured some sort of persecution. There was always persecution, but I can say that during this period is almost all it was um the stories that you can read uh during this period is pretty much that's all that we saw uh was just a straight period of, of about 150 years of just persecution and death and murder and yet the church continued to grow and grow and grow to the place that when we get to 300 rome finally says we can't beat them, let's join them, and that's really what turns it and changes it and um because so many christians you know at the time uh, in the 150 years, okay, let me just leave it at this, at the, in the 170 years period of this, of the, of this church, the Smyrna period, uh, Rome went from having a very small minority of believers to over 50%, right? So by the time we get to a 300, over 50% of Rome is Christian. And this happens all while they're under persecution. So that should say a lot in terms of, of, of this, of this period of what it did and what God did through these people. So I know there is absolutely not enough time to cover all this information, but I just want to speak a word of encouragement, leave you with the word of blessing to say, you know, go and be blessed, be encouraged, um, recognize and be prepared. Don't, it's, it's time now. I wish I had time to share my own testimony about how God has had to heal me of the fear of, of, of this, of martyrdom and, and death and bring me, it's been a lifetime, but it, it happened because I recognized it when I was young and began to work and ask the God, for God's grace. And God has given me grace, 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 grace to recognize and be prepared and recognize and be prepared and and to break through of my own fears and my own doubts to be able to say lord you're all i want it's you, it's i it's nothing else i want but you and to bring you and i to that place that says i'm not after you know everybody's you know my 401k my you know i want to make sure i'm covered it's like i i could care less I, I give it all away lord i i mean it's it's but a season right eternity is a long a much longer season we're trying to store up our treasures it's like don't if you're there let me just help you, encourage you, stop. It's what's your life? A few years of suffering, a few years of 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 isolation, a few years of not having, you know, the top, all the stuff that you think are so important is not worth and won't be compared to the eternity that you will spend. And so it's worth it now for us to give whatever we need in order to have what God wants us to have eternally. So, church be strong be strong and in the power of the lord's mind and um, and go in peace and ask the lord to give you grace and allow you to step into whatever your purpose and calling is to step into that and recognize all these things that, uh, that are already out there and that god is doing and be strengthened by it in jesus name we bless you talk to you next week G-Talk is a ministry of Hope For You International, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can find us on the web at thankfultoday.com and gtalk.info. You can also find us on Facebook at The Thankful Today.